Today on the show, I'm going to talk about finding truth, psychological crisis, and hypnosis. And all three of them are related. So (laughs) this should be interesting. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast. I appreciate it. And I'm grateful when you guys share the podcast with a friend. Help me expand the reach of the podcast. Share it with a friend that you think may benefit from this or enjoy the podcast. I provide this content to you without outside advertisements. I rely on your donations to help support the podcast. Please give what you feel that you've received from the podcast. It could be a small amount, a medium amount, a large amount, whatever you feel that you have gotten from it. Please make a donation and help contribute to the podcast. You can go to the storyofmepodcast.com and on the contact page, there's a donate button and help support me so I can continue to bring you this content. You can also go to the podcast website to submit your questions to be answered on the program. I will be in the Netherlands and Belgium giving workshops next month. You can join my newsletter to receive information about the workshops and my availability for consultations. And you can also go to the podcast website. Okay, now let's get started. Beautiful am I, bountiful am I. Blissful am I Why, guru Beautiful am I Welcome to the story of me with Amarjit Singh. This is where my guests and I share personal stories from our life and explore the psychological insights that were learned from these experiences. Each story will entertain you as well as increase your understanding of your own psychological patterns. Then, through the principles of yoga psychology, you will learn how to overcome the resistance that is holding you back from living a more fulfilling life. Join me every Tuesday for a new episode where I share my experiences in psychological understanding, interview guests, and answer listener questions. Now let's get started with the podcast that awakens your inner power through awareness and understanding. Welcome to the show. For new listeners, my name is Amarjit Singh, and I am your host. And for old listeners, welcome back. It's good to have you again. I hope everyone is doing well and uh, enjoying your summer. Uh, I leave for Europe pretty soon, and I'm looking forward to getting back to Europe and seeing many of you in my workshops. On this podcast, I've stayed away from entering into politics, you know, as my focus is really yoga psychology and really understanding your habit patterns and how to really enrich your life so that you're free from attachments, you're free from the resistance inside the self so that your self-expression comes out and flourishes and that you can really enjoy life, enjoy connecting to life. Yet, we have something going on in our society where it's really hindering connection and it's causing what appears to be a psychological crisis that's like a, a, a group crisis, 
you can say. And so I'm going to try to get into this topic without getting political, because I'm sure many of my listeners are on both sides of the spectrum. And personally, I, I choose no side. I have no particular side, whether it's left or right. I, I look at the topics and, and, and the subjects, and I make my decisions based on that, not any uh, particular side. I don't lean either way. I don't uh, really follow politics so much. But over the last, what is it now, a year and a half, almost two years, we've been forced to really look at the way the governments or we could say the media or whatever it is has been presenting their uh, agenda. And whether you're for the left or right, I, like I said, I don't want to get into this, but what it's really affected or what it appears to have affected is decision-making and being able to understand what is truth. And so the topic that I'm getting into, even though there's hints of, of politics in, in the fact that it relates to what's going on now, it's something that is important even before or after this situation resolves itself. And so what I'd like to talk about then is decision-making and how to come up with truth when evaluating what is happening, because it seems that people are not really evaluating facts or what is happening in a free way. There's a lot of attachment and and. Any kind of attachment is bad, and so we'll talk about this. And again, it can be used regardless of this political situation and what is happening to understand how you think and how you process information and how you make decisions to arrive at the truth. And this is important because really yoga is about truth. Right? What is yoga but it's the process, or yoga or life, but what is yoga but the process of going from the coarse to the subtle? And when I'm talking about the coarse or the subtle, I'm talking about vibration, right? It's, it's learning how to create awareness to what's happening within. And in the beginning of life, we learn how to connect to the coarse vibrations, and again, if you're new to the podcast, uh, I'll speak briefly about this, but I think almost in every episode I've talked about vibration. In fact, maybe some of the listeners are getting tired of this word, but it's how things work. So the human being is about 100 trillion atoms vibrating at a rapid speed. In fact, it's vibrating so fast that it appears to be solid. and Vibration causes sensation, right? And everything is vibration. The music is vibration. Speaking is vibration. Thinking is vibration. Movement is vibration. And each vibration has a unique sensation associated with it. So the process is to learn how to tune into these different vibrations to understand what the sensation is. For example, as a baby, you start to differentiate different sensations like a stomach ache to when you are hungry. And as you get older, you start to expand your awareness and, and you have 
what we call feelings or emotions. And these are just vibrations that are based upon your thinking and your reaction uh, to what is happening. And we talked about this. There, there's uh, the ep- episode on how to heal yourself, where I really get into the detail of how your psychology is manifested into your physiology and how this is important on how to heal yourself. I believe that was episode 10. And so what we do is we try to create awareness of these sensations and and going deeper and deeper within to experience the subtle sensations. And this is the the progress. And, And we do this to experience the most subtle sensation, which is God. And when we tune into this uh, this sensation, the most subtle sensation, we become self-realized because we're aware of the totality of ourselves and the connection we have with the universe. So on my social media, I posted some information and a conclusion based on this information and said, okay, this is what is correct and explored some ideas of why People may not be looking at this as the correct way to understand the situation. And I was asked in the comments, how do I know what is true? And I I don't know if they were asking me this personally or just in general. So what I did is I decided to answer this in both ways. And so I'm going to do that with you as well. And the process of how I do this personally with my personal background is just to give you some understanding of my perspective and how I come up with my conclusions and my way of assessing truth. But what's most important really is just the process and to work on this process. And so we'll go through this and then we'll get into these other areas I found in my research that are related to a psychological crisis and this idea of hypnosis. And we'll get into that in a minute. Again, I answer this question of how do I know what is true in a way that's personal of how I come up with my truth, which will give you some understanding of how I think and and maybe a little more insight into who I am. Whether this is for the best or or not, we'll see. And then also just the general method of arriving at truth. To begin with, given all my faults that I may have, I do have some qualities that have served me well. And and I would like to to explain some of these because it's, I think, an important background to see how I am arriving at this information that I'm sharing with you, not just on this podcast, but on all the episodes. Because it's important to understand when you are hearing things from other people or when that you are, are, are learning things is to understand the difference of when someone is telling you something that they have read or that someone has told them and when you're hearing someone speak from experience. Because really, there are three ways of knowing, and I've talked about this before. And the first way is by what someone tells you or what that you read. So a teacher may tell you something or you may read something in the book or on the internet. And this is the first way of knowing. The second way of knowing is through inference or reasoning. 
right? You may see that it's cloudy out and you think it's going to rain and then it rains. And so this is one way of knowing. Then there is the third way of knowing, and this is through experience. And really, this is the only way to truly know something is through experience. And so when I give you some of my background, you can see maybe some of my experience and then learn how to feel this from other people, because this is something that can be recognized just by the feeling of what is being presented and how it's being presented. And if you sit in front of enough teachers, you'll start to learn how to create awareness of what the information is that you're receiving and and what the background is of the person, because this is also important when it comes to finding truth and making decisions. And so, like I said, I have many faults, but I do have some qualities that have served me quite well. And one of them, maybe the the most important, is that I'm a curious person who enjoys studying and learning. I spent over 10 years in the university studying many different things. I've gone to also a technical school. I have many years of experience building and evaluating mathematical models in education and also the business world. For some of you listeners that don't know me so well, I used to work on Wall Street doing investment banking. I've been a teacher at the university level of finance and economics. And so I do have a background in this type of learning. And I've also gone to music school and studied psychology, philosophy, and some other things as well. And as a result of a strange childhood education in my early years, I also have a wide variety of interest, and I've been accustomed to really teaching myself uh, because of of some situations when I was very early. And so I, I really enjoy this kind of self-study investigation when I'm interested in a topic, I'll go to the university and and look at the book list of all the classes that are required for the study. And then I will just buy them and study them myself independently and investigate this way. And then secondly, I have dedicated myself to understanding truth in a way that most people don't. And we'll get into this in a little bit. But before explaining the focus of understanding truth, I'd like to look at the process of acquiring proficiency in something, because this is an important aspect of it. We really want to cover the subtleties of truth. And so this way you can recognize that there are levels of understanding truth, just like there are levels of understanding everything. You know, many people learn how to play a musical instrument, for example. And there are those who have a natural capacity and learn it without much effort. And I've, I've encountered some of these people. I remember when I first learned how to play an instrument, I learned the bass guitar. And I taught myself in the beginning before I went to music school. But I remember in high school learning how to play. And there was a, a, a gentleman in our, our class, our high school class, and I think we were almost at the last year or second to last year. And this is a, a kid who I think maybe he passed three classes or four classes, something like this in three years. It wasn't very, didn't seem very intelligent, 
but he picked up a guitar and within a, a few months was incredible and and so just shows you that some things to some people just come naturally. We can say, oh, they just a, have a natural capacity or ability for this. Or if we really understand how cause and effect works, we can really look at this is their karma based on their past lives, that they're just continuing whatever it is they were pursuing before. And I'm sure you have some of these examples in your life. There's some things that you feel very strongly connected to, and maybe you've been working on them in past lives, and now you're here working on them again. And it's just like studying something right before bed. When you wake up, you don't start over. You just continue where you left off. And and when you go from life to life, it's the same thing. The only difference is being able to consciously access the memory of this. But we all have these internal feelings which help guide us, hopefully, if we become aware of ourselves and we know how to connect to our intuition, that guide us to our natural capacities and assist us in learning. And so we can say some things like this musical, playing a musical instrument will come naturally to some people. And then contrarily, there are others, like myself, that have to practice and practice and practice and still uh, maybe are a little proficient, but not not like some of these other people. And then there are some people who are able to have a natural capacity, but also really diligently practice. Because I've met people in all kinds of fields where they just have this natural capacity, but they don't really push it because it's come natural to them. And you see this in sports. You see some people who have a natural ability, but they don't push themselves as hard as they can. And then there's other people who have this natural ability, but still push themselves. And so we can see that music ability has a wide range of proficiencies. And this is true with everything. I don't think there is anything that isn't like this. And so similar to the levels of competencies found in playing musical instruments, there exist varying abilities to understanding truth. However, in order to perceive that there are levels of being able to understand truth, I'm going to share my process of how I arrive at truth. And this is something that you can employ for yourself, and I, I think it's quite effective. And it's a, it's a, just a general way to look at this, but I, I think it shines some light on maybe the process of me or, or just people in general. So step number one, remove judgment. And like I said, I'm trying to stay away from, from getting into the politics behind what I'm talking about now. But judgment exists in many forms. And it's impossible to truly understand something if you judge it. If you're trying to understand your habit patterns and you judge them, you will never understand them. This is why when you have this this loathing of the self or of aspects of the self, that they persist because you don't truly understand what is going on. You, you know, this judgment creates distance. Acceptance creates understanding. And this is true in, in self-love. Right, the first step to self-love is acceptance. And so the first step in understanding something is to remove the judgment. And when we get into politics, what we're seeing is a lot of judgment. Because what happens is people choose a side. 
And if you choose a side, you're judging. You are choosing I am left or I am right or, or whatever side that you're choosing and you're associating yourself with this. And this preconceived bias hinders your understanding. And what is happening now is that most people are choosing a side before they understand the issue to arrive at a conclusion of what they believe to be true. They align themselves with either the left or right, and they say, oh, I am left, and so anything that the left says, they agree with. And anything that the right says, well, the other group agrees with. And if it's a other side that you're not on, you don't agree with it. And this is not the right way to look at things. It's really not a healthy way to approach life. It's a very limiting way. And more often than not, both sides are wrong anyway, simultaneously, because their interest isn't aligned with yours. So you're really negating your own interest by doing this. And you're creating a pattern of thinking that is not healthy and free. It's very limiting to agree with whatever a particular side believes. You know, this is like going through life with blinders on so you could only see in whatever direction you're looking. It's really a a ridiculous way of examining life. Yet, this is how we can see that many people think. People choose a side of an argument without understanding the issue. They agree with a conclusion through really a superficial understanding. You can forget about a thorough investigation. Many people arrive at an opinion just from reading the headlines. And part of this is, okay, we're overloaded with information. You know, we have so much going on, we don't have the time to really research something. And But then leave this thinking to someone else. You don't, don't say that you know the truth when you've only really read the headlines or read an article of something and you don't really understand because you're, you're limiting your thinking. And it's not really a subtle way to, to think about something. I may not always be right, But I I can tell you that my perspective is not through the filter of a left or right. You know, I I, I try to come to my conclusions without this filter, because this filter is a filter that's just filled with judgment, and it's really not helpful. And this is why we're in such a divisive situation in this world, is because many people are, are thinking like this because... They're allowing their emotions to control their thinking. And this is one of the biggest issues preventing understanding and poor communications. And I've done an episode on this of how to use your emotions to understand. And the principal aspect of this is to experience the emotion. Don't try to repress it, but don't react to it. Because this reaction is what contributes or what perpetuates your habit patterns is the reaction to your emotions. If you want to let go of your karma, stop reacting. Stop being emotionally reactive. Just be present, understand what you're experiencing, and try to understand what is this feeling causing me to want to do or not do, and then with the mind, what is the correct thing to do? So the second aspect to the way I approach understanding or finding truth is then to research raw data. Maybe this comes from my academic background, or this comes from just the way I've always perceived things. And I've done this even when I have pursued 
what people would call the field of spirituality. I never liked reading the interpretation of the great text, like the Vedic text. I, I'd like to read the original documents or the original books and then interpret them for myself. And then after this, maybe I, I will look at other people's interpretation. But first, I want to just get the raw data. I want to evaluate the raw data from a neutral perspective. And this is the whole point of life, is to go through life in this space of neutrality, of shunya. And and one time uh, I'll do an episode on how the mind works with the positive, negative, and neutral minds to really help you understand how the mind is processing information this way. The easiest way to do this is really to look at numbers and mathematical models, to try to get raw data. And I prefer to look at these raw numbers and read scientific peer-reviewed research. However, this is not always possible. So it's you. sometimes you do have to get things that maybe aren't raw, but you can kind of extract them from the documents. But don't align yourself with anyone's opinion or interpretation before doing your own research, because this way of looking at it will reduce your biases. And this is what you want to do to have an accurate perception so that you can make a conclusion that's going to benefit you and your life. So the next step is really to then evaluate the data. Evaluate the assumptions made through the either causation or correlation. And sometimes there are mistakes or, or there are inferences that are really not logical. And so what is this data telling you? What Are you able to see what is this data pointing to? And it's quite interesting thinking about this. I just read a study uh, about the most vaccine-resistant group, which are actually people who have PhDs. And this is quite interesting. I'll put a link to the study uh, in, in the show notes, and you can read it for yourself and come up with your own idea of why this is. Okay, again, I, I won't get into too many politics and go through this, but you can look at the study. It's quite interesting, or I see my posting about it on my, I think, Facebook page and my perspective on this. So number, So the next one is compare your understanding to others. And so this is the step you take, or at least that I take, after I've received all this information, gone through the information. Maybe I've made my own conclusions. Maybe these conclusions are very loose conclusions. I'm not definitive. I just think, okay, maybe it's this or maybe it's that. I have my ideas. And I want to then see what other people think. And so I find people who are on both sides of an issue or, or, or whatever it is, but maybe some people that are able to articulate themselves well, and I compare their arguments to my understanding in the same way you compare your arguments to their understanding. And this step requires an understanding of psychology as well as philosophy. And this is where my background in psychology has really helped me because you need to understand who the person is that is presenting the information or their argument. Because everyone has some bias, some people more than others. And so you say, what is this person's bias? What is their worldview? How would they look at other ideas that I do have a conclusion on or other truths that, that I know exist? 
or do they have some type of agenda? And so I try to evaluate the person who is providing the information. And, and this is why maybe video is, is usually better for me because I can see the way they express themselves and I can see them and I can start to understand their psychology. And then through this, I have a better understanding of who they are and what conclusion they made and how maybe it is affected by their, their background. And then philosophically, again, I studied uh, philosophy and my favorite course in the university or one of them was logic. For some reason, it could again be I grew up in Greece in a past life. I don't know, but philosophy just, you know, really did something to me when I really got involved with it. And logic was my favorite course. I, I really enjoyed that course. So I look at it and say, are there holes in their argument? Is the logic sound? Because if they don't have a logical conclusion, they may be correct, but it doesn't come through in, in what they're saying. So it's important to really understand logic. And this is why one of the things on my post was how education is causing a lot of this misunderstanding that's going on and mis of information. And it seems, I don't know about other countries, but at least for the United States, that they are really dumbing down the universities and education in general. And I, I won't get into the politics of that. Uh, again, I'll put it maybe in the show notes. I'll put some links to some things that are related to this. But I, I really strongly believe the most important topics that we should be teaching in grade school are psychology so that you can learn how to understand yourself, philosophy, so that you can learn how to understand life, and then mathematics, so you can learn how to evaluate uh, data. In fact, what is mathematics and logic are, are direct re directly related. But as we can see, the better the understanding someone has of psychology and philosophy, the better equipped they are to evaluate and compare their own conclusions with those of others. The same as, like I said, the music abilities have a very wide, wide range of competencies, and so does logic and psychology. And it's very important not to be attached to your opinion. Many people are married to their opinion and they can't let it go, even in spite of information that contradicts it. And this is what we're seeing a lot in, in the society is that people are unable to accept information that contradicts their opinion because they're so attached to their opinion. And we'll get into later why they're so attached to it because it's quite interesting uh, based on this, this uh, person I heard speak, and we'll get into this. The next one is to align your vibration with truth. And this step really overlaps all the steps, but this is an important aspect, especially for my listeners here, because I know if you're listening to this podcast, it's because you're trying to create awareness in your life so that you could understand yourself and move closer to being self-realized. And so we can talk about different types of truth. There's subjective truth, which is not universal, 
And when I make decisions for subjective truth, the the priority for me is one, okay, I have my own opinion based on my worldview, my karma, my experiences. But the most important thing for me is that whatever conclusion I make, it doesn't harm someone else and it doesn't infringe on the freedom of others. And I'll accept anyone's subjective opinion as long as it does the same. You know, I may not agree with your opinion, but if it doesn't harm someone and it doesn't take away someone's freedom, I'm okay with that. Because it's subjective. Who's to say that you're right and I'm wrong or I'm wrong and you're right? No one knows, really. But if you start to harm someone with your opinions, your subjective truth, or you start to infringe on their freedoms— And now this is something that is not good, and it's going to affect your karma. But when it's something that can be quantified or it takes away the the freedom of others, the truth is more definitive. These are, are important factors. If you can quantify something, even things that are quantifiable have subjective aspects to them, but you can reduce the subjective aspects and use the quantitative methods to get closer to this truth. Now, like I was talking about in the beginning of the podcast, everything has its own vibration, right? If you think particular thoughts, it vibrates and makes you feel a particular way. If you listen to a particular music, that vibration of the music hits you and makes you feel a different way. Everything is a vibration, Like I said, your body is these trillions of atoms just vibrating together, and they're creating this appearance of a solid. And that vibration causes sensation, and each vibration has this unique sensation. And so this is how music really creates these strong feelings in us, right? We listen to some music from our childhood, and it starts to recreate particular feelings that we remember because that sound vibrates in a particular way, and then the thoughts that arise from that sound are a vibration. That vibration is similar, is is familiar to us. And so this is one way to really tune into a sensation in, in an easy way. But there are very subtle sensations. And the whole process of arriving at the truth, or the ultimate truth, which is God, is learning how to tune into these sensations. And I talked about an example in my posting of, we've all had experiences when we're dealing with someone who is lying to us. We, we can say, oh, I feel this person is lying. And most people can re- recognize a coarse version of this, or some blatant lies, or strong lies, or obvious lies, or even subtle lies, but we can all feel this at some, to some level. And like I said, everyone has different capacities, and even in, in your life, within your life, there's different times in the life where the capacity is stronger than others. But as you train your awareness to become more subtle, you start to recognize the truth in more things. And your awareness is tuned into this vibration of the ultimate truth, when your awareness is tuned in to the vibration of ultimate truth, you become self-realized. If you've ever been fortunate enough to be close to someone who is self-realized, you'll have a better understanding of the potential we all have to tuning into this truth. And this is why when you, you go to these 
gurus who are self-realized, like authentically self-realized, and they give a discourse or you ask them a question, you can feel that it is true. And, and they can arrive at this just by connecting to this vibration. Even if they're unaware of the topic or whatever it is, they're able to connect to the truth. And the closer you get to this, the more capacity you have to do this. And this is like I was talking about different levels. So depending on your karma and the dedication you have to the process of creating awareness, you learn how to experience truth. And this goes back to what I was saying about the ability to play a musical instrument. There are those who train their awareness by going to a yoga class a couple times a week or meditating uh, 30 minutes a day or by some other method. There are many methods to creating awareness and creating subtle awareness. Then there are those who have dedicated their life to it. And this is one thing I have done, living in monasteries, renouncing the householder's life. I've dedicated my life to pursuing this vibration of truth. And because of my karma, I have a natural capacity to stop the mind and connect to the subtle. And then I also diligently work on this capacity by meditating up to 10 hours a day in meditation retreats. And I've dedicated my entire life to this. This is my job, is to focus on creating awareness of the subtle and then expressing this to other people so that they are able to learn from my experiences so they can create their own experience. And so when I arrive at a truth, whether it's on this political topic I'm referring to or anything, I use this combination of my subtle awareness, my psychological understanding, and the use of logic and experience with research and analysis to arrive at a conclusion that I feel is tuned into truth. So my hypothesis on this posting I made on Facebook is that people would see the truth if they examined the data with critical reasoning and weren't corrupted by the manipulation of information as well as the poor education that's going on. However, there does appear to be something more than that preventing people from seeing what is really going on and understanding truth. And so then I begin to ask myself, well, why are people refusing to look closely at information? And why are people afraid to let go of their opinion in the face of information that contradicts it? Because this is really the, the issue that's going on now whether this is political or or not, or whether you're on the left or right or not, is not important. But what it is, is there appears to be a psychological crisis happening that is a collective psychological crisis. And my expertise is not in in hypnosis or, or group thinking, but I did come across a professor, and I will put links to a, a video uh, explanation he made of this, because I, I think he summed up what is going on in our society so well that I, I think I, I have come to a, a, the ultimate conclusion. According to Professor Dr. Matthias Desmet, Desmet, there is a mass formation and a totalitarian thinking happening. And so his background is 
He's got a master's degree in statistical analysis, and he ha- he's a university professor in psychology, specializing in mechanisms of mass formation and totalitarian thinking. Uh, he comes, I think, from the university in Belgium. And what, what he says, I, I think, is spot on and I think sums up what is going on with people unable to let go of their way of thinking to see the truth. And so what he says, according to him, that this mass formation phenomenon that is a hypnosis having a huge impact on the intelligence and cognitive functioning of individuals. And this explains why highly intelligent people believe in a narrative and numbers that are wrong while ignoring what is true. And he goes on to talk about four conditions that are necessary to exist for large-scale mass phenomena, which is really talking about a mass hypnosis. And when we get into these four conditions, we really start to understand not only the situation that's going on now, but our own way of looking at things, our own way of dealing with Uh, psychological traumas. So the first one, he says, is people need to be socially isolated. And so whether you agree with this or not, of the lockdowns, they happened and people have been quite isolated. And even when they're in public, when you're wearing a mask, you're isolated. You're not connecting to the emotional uh, beings that are around you, you're, you're, you're not connecting through just a, a general smile, anything. So you're quite iso- socially isolated. And then the other three conditions existed before this pandemic. And number two is have a lack of sense in their life. For example, working a job that has no meaning to you. And I, I believe that some statistic I read was 40% of the people don't feel connected to their jobs, that their job has no meaning for them. And so that's a that's a huge percentage of people. The third aspect is have free-floating anxiety. So what is free-floating anxiety? And this is anxiety that you have on an individual level that is not associated or connected to a specific representation. And it's a general anxiety which lots of people suffer from. Look at all the, the psychotropic medications that are out there that are people are taking for, for anxiety, and, and you start to see how prevalent this is. And, and he gave some numbers of uh, the psychotropic drugs in, in Belgium, and it was very high. The fourth condition is to have free-floating psychological discontent. So psychological discontent is not connected to a specific representation. And one point that he made about these, he said that free-floating anxiety is considered the most painful psychological phenomenon that someone can experience. And that's a pretty powerful statement because anxiety leads to all kinds of things. And it stems from uh, many different fears and different things like this, but it's a, a situation that is considered the most painful psychological phenomenon, which really contributes to this mass hypnosis that is happening. 
because the first step in this mass hypnosis is that people are looking for something to connect their anxiety and their discontent to. They're looking for an explanation. Then the media provides a narrative which indicates an object of anxiety while presenting a strategy to deal with it. So then the people that have this free-floating anxiety, they begin to connect it to this narrative. And as a result of this, they're willing to follow this narrative no matter what the cost is. And the psychologist was saying that this is the beginning of mass formation. The second step is a collective battle, which a new social bond to connect the people. So then they connect to this narrative, and there's a battle to fight off anyone who's not connected to this narrative. And this causes a mass hypnosis. It then doesn't matter when the narrative is wrong because being able to connect the anxiety and discontent causes a mental intoxication. And this mental intoxication leads to a narrowing of the field of attention. People only start to see what fits the narrative. For, and he gave an example. He said, for example, in COVID, they see the victims, but they don't see the collateral damage of the lockdowns. And furthermore, they don't feel empathy at an emotional level for the effects of the lockdowns on people. And so this mass formation focuses people so much that they don't pay attention to what is taken away from them, like their freedom. And this is similar, he said, how a person can be hypnotized to have a surgery without anesthesia because their attention is limited. And he said it's the same idea, but on a mass scale. And so this idea of being able to connect your anxiety and discontent on something is mentally intoxicating, and you don't want to remove it. Because if you go against this idea that you've connected to, this brings the suffering back. And this is very painful for people because we, like we said, is this free-floating anxiety is one of the most painful psychological experiences a person can go through. So why do they want to let go of this narrative, no matter what it says, because it's not a pleasant feeling for them? They avoid it, and they are experiencing this mental intoxication through being able to associate a cause with their anxiety and psychological discontent. And this is why you see people who are really intelligent but won't look at information that contradicts their point of view. And before reading this, for me, it was very strange. I kept my way of of trying to help people was to explain the information better or to show graphs of it or whatever it is, but then you realize that this is not the way to help them. The way to help people, if this is you, is to deal with your anxiety and your discontent on a personal level, finding a correlation or connection with it in your personal life that is not related to this narrative that people are projecting onto you. And this is really the way to try to combat this hijacking of the way people are thinking. 
because it's getting it's getting really silly. We're starting to see intelligent people unable to be rational and logical. And we have to realize that it's because of this internal emotional situation that is happening with them, and they need help learning how to connect to it in a healthy way. Because this way, it's not going to, in this group hypnosis way, is not going to get rid of it in a permanent way, and it's going to limit your self-awareness, which is the real issue here. Because life is about self-awareness. Everything else is just a mirror to help you see this. And so if you are on one side or the other, try to look at this through what I'm saying. Evaluate. Did you have this general anxiety that was not really focused on one thing? And now do you feel maybe more relieved because you can focus it or you have an outlet for it? And how can you take this back and really find out where this originates from, how your life is going, how you're dealing with your life, how you're interacting with yourself, and find a healthy way to connect to your psychological experience that doesn't consist of infringing on other people's freedoms. Because this is a a really scary road that people seem to be going down. And if it continues, it's it's not going to be a good situation for anyone. And like I, I said in the beginning, when we're talking about subjective truths, I think any truth that you arrive at should not infringe on other people's freedom and it should not harm anyone. Whether whether it's right or wrong is really secondary or, or, or third, really. The first is, is it infringing on anyone's freedom? Is it harming anyone? And we can see through this idea of processing information and of not thinking rationally because of this group hypnosis that we are harming a lot of people. I, I read a, a study on the birth of, child, of children who were born a year before covid and during COVID, and they gave them IQ test. And typical IQ is 100 for a typical average person. And these kids scored 78. I think 70 is where it begins to border mental retardation. But 78 is very low. And they're saying it's because of the lack of stimulation that's going on in in the household because of the situations and many other factors related to these lockdowns and, and this life. And whether this will change once we get past this, no one knows for sure. But something that wasn't measured was the emotional connection. And babies learn emotional connection through facial expressions with the parent and the the adults that are around them. And if the first couple years of their life, everyone was wearing a mask, this is an emotional disconnect. And how is this going to be recovered? Are, Are we going to see that in 10 years, 15 years, the children will be so emotionally disconnected from each other that it will cause lots of problems? I mean, this is one of the reasons for mass shootings is emotional disconnection. The ramifications of what is happening by infringing on people's freedom is a higher cost 
than, than what you're being told. Right? And this study was done in a middle to upper middle class uh, city. And so they're saying that if they did the same study in poorer uh, neighborhoods, that it might be even lower. And so this is harming really everyone, but especially poorer people. And, and do we really want to create a society like that? What's going to happen in, in 10, 15 years? You look at 15 years ago or 20 years ago when they instilled this, at least in the U.S., this zero-tolerance policy. And this was really interesting because it got to such an extreme case that they said, okay, zero tolerance. If you bring a gun or weapon to school, you're suspended, which, okay, I understand that, or kicked out. But it got to the point where even if you draw a gun or you had a keychain that was the shape of a gun, you would get kicked out. How has this affected our culture today? (laughs) Well, it's quite obvious. Look at this cancel culture. There's no acceptance of people doing things that are wrong. They do something that's wrong, and we want to cancel them and don't give them an opportunity to get back into society, even if they were wrong or right. I mean, often they weren't even really that, that wrong. But even if they're wrong, everyone deserves to be accepted. But the zero-tolerance policy seems like the exact cause of this cancel culture. And so my question then becomes, well, what is what we're doing to kids now going to cause in our future? I mean, the suicide rate is up with kids, drugs, uh, this depression, all, all these things, because they haven't been able to connect with their friends, go out to school. And, and I, I feel very sad for the situation. Again, whether you're left or right is really not important, but what is important is, what is the result of what's going on? How are we harming people? How are we inflicting damage that is incalculable on, on such a, a huge range of people in our society? So this is just something to give you some thought about. And like I said, really, even though this is about somewhat about this this political topic or the situation in life that we're in, try to use this way of thinking in your own decision-making process that is unrelated to this, the, the process of creating this awareness of the subtleties, of learning how to evaluate things without judgment, learning how to be independent of attachment to your ideas and to sides because this is all limiting your experience, and you want to have a experience that's filled with variety and peace and love. And it's possible for everyone. So take back these anxieties from this projection, if you have them, uh, and examine where do they really originate from and what is a healthy way to understand them and and not harm others, and spread love and acceptance. If you have any responses to what I was saying, feel free to to send me your questions. Feel free to comment on my Facebook postings or whatever, although I, I may <laughs> limit myself to, to uh, on social media or, or even 
maybe delete my account. I don't know. Yeah, if the listeners here help promote and share my podcast, maybe I don't have to be on social media and I would prefer this. So help me, help me get off of social media, share my podcasts with people. You can ask me questions, you can email me, you can post them on the Facebook if I'm still there. And I I look forward to hearing from you and I hope that you are doing well. I'd like to tell you about Sing Flutes. These are flutes that are made by me. They're handcrafted Native American-style flutes designed for sound healing. The flutes are tuned to the frequency of 432 hertz, the harmonic intonation of nature. The fundamental note of each flute is in a key to vibrate a particular chakra. Whether you are playing for others or yourself, listening to 432 hertz music resonates inside the body. In fact, they did a medical study where they hooked people up to a brain and heart monitor and played different instruments to them. The Native American-style flute had the most impact in relaxing them. If you're a yoga teacher, it's a great instrument to incorporate into your classes. What I do is I have an app on my iPad that has the sounds of nature, and I'll put on the sounds of rain and play over this to the students at the end of the class. It's a very intuitive instrument to play. There's no musical knowledge necessary to get started. Each flute is unique since they're handmade. I put different artwork on them. I put mantras on them related to the chakras that they're tuned to. So go check them out at singflutes.com, S-I-N-G-H-F-L-U-T-E-S.com. Use the discount code, the story of me podcast and get 10% off. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the program. Again, please rate, review, and share the podcast with your friends. Help me get the word out. And if you're enjoying the content that I'm providing for you, please make a donation uh, that represents how much you feel you've gotten from the podcast. And again, you can submit your questions to the program and go to the storyofmepodcast.com. Until the next time, from the podcast that awakens your inner power through awareness and understanding, allow love to be the current that carries your words and actions.